microphone sounds nice when it is on. Check one. Said my microphone sounds nice when it is on. Check two. Welcome y'all to another edition of Beyond the Rim. Hashtag BTR. And this episode is called Hashtag Support Live Music. My guest today is Richard McCurry of Richie Rich and 24 Carat Funk. Richie Rich, say hi to the peeps out there who's listening to this podcast. Hey, what's happening, world? How we doing today on this fine Saturday afternoon? <laughs> I affectionately call Richie Rich 24K, so during this podcast, I will be referring to him as 24K. And I have to tell you something, and I've told you this plenty of times, 24K, that when it comes to watching live music and the genre that you cover is is R&B, jazz, funk, hip-hop, you do it all, and you've been doing this for decades, but in terms of pure entertainment and an entertainer, you are the most charismatic artist that I've seen in person. Thank you. Appreciate that. So how did you get your start? And tell us how long you've been doing this. Well, I started at the tender age of 10 years old in my mother and father's living room. On the weekends, my mother and father would have company come to the house and as adults did back in that time, they would sit around and have a little drink here and there and chit-chat and play cards. And somewhere along the line, they would have my younger brother and I come out and entertain them. We would entertain them for, you know, 15, 20 minutes or so uh, until they got bored with us. <laughs> and, and at the end of that, we would end up getting, you know, 10, 5 or 10 bucks doing it because back in that time zone five or ten dollars was a lot of money and uh, we got to like it and it got to the point where my brother and I would be in the room coordinating ourselves a little act to perform but when they you know decided they would call us out to do these shows we liked it that was how we got our money to go to at the time Revere Beach had rides or we didn't go to Revere Beach we would spend the Sunday afternoon with our friends and go to a movie theater which movies back then were 25 and 50 cent to get in and um, eventually my parents enrolled us into the New England Conservatory of Music where I studied piano and ballet and how old were you and how old were you when you uh when you were enrolled into the school? We enrolled into the conservatory at 11 years old. Okay. My brother was three years younger than I was, but at 11, we were there, and um, I studied piano and uh, ballet. But in my neighborhood, ballet wasn't cool. (laughs) (laughs) So we got chased home a lot. (laughs) I also found that I became a track star because I couldn't run so fast. <laughs> now the now the neighborhood you grew up in? I grew up in Roxbury. I grew up near the Franklin Park Zoo, 
we were so close to the Franklin Park Zoo that we could hear the ruckus from the animals from the zoo into my brother and I's bedroom. So we were always in fear at night when we went to sleep, praying that the gorillas or the or the lions wouldn't escape, would escape and come to the park to our, our house and eat us. <laughs> <laughs> and I got to tell you, if that had happened. Um you would have been able to run faster. You would have probably had a uh, world-class speed at <laughs> at the tender age of uh, ten years old. But I got to tell you what's so what's so cool about it is that your parents had you come out and perform. You and your uh, younger brother Mark, may he rest in peace. Very fine man, fine man. But I'm not certainly telling you anything that you don't know. Fine brother. Um, at the tender age of ten years old, and you would get paid. So you were a professional at ten years old. And you got paid by your parents. Considering seeing that the songs that we selected were songs by James Brown, because at that time she would have us come out and emulate James Brown and Jackie Wilson, because there was a rivalry between those guys even at that time. So I would do It's a Man's Man's World or If I Rule the World by James Brown and I would do Baby Workout by uh, Jackie Wilson or Higher and Higher. Mm. Now, I certainly know James Brown. I certainly know Jackie Wilson. You are a, um, you're older than I am, so I did not watch these performers perform at their prime. I could certainly go to YouTube and watch them and stuff. But from your perspective, who, and you said there was a rivalry between the two. Who was the better performer? hard to judge them both because they both had their two different styles of how they went about performing. But in my eyes and in, and people who came up around me, they were both great entertainers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That must have been, uh, you know, and, and, you know, and back then since there was, I'm assuming, so few black entertainers out there that you can actually you know, uh, watch. I mean, again, this is this is a different time, folks. This isn't the time of YouTube where you can just YouTube and and uh, and YouTube anything. You know, this is a time of of, and I'm not, I'm certainly not dating my brother 24K, but this is the t- this is like the times of the uh, of the early years of uh, the early years of television. And you know, probably, you know, you might have lived in a neighborhood where you were the only one, or maybe one of few families that even had a television set. To be honest with you. It was during the time of the Ed Sullivan era. Okay. And any and everybody who was something in the music business passed through the Ed Sullivan show. So way back then, we had dreams and aspirations of going on the Ed Sullivan show. I mean, people like the Jackson Five, Richard Pryor, the, the, the Temptations, the Beatles, any everybody came through those doors and Sunday night at eight o'clock everybody was glued to the television set to see who Ed Sullivan had on there because it was a really big shoe. <laughs> <laughs> uh looking on your website which is twenty four K Funk Productions. Once again, website is twenty four K Funk Productions. Looking at your bio dot com. Dot com. That's right, twenty four K Funk Productions dot com. Looking at your bio twenty four K you met Duke Ellington? Yes, I met Duke Ellington when I was like 12, 13 years old. 
I also attended another school in the neighborhood um, by a woman named Elma Lewis. She was a fine arts teacher. She not only taught vocal theory, she also taught ballet and other forms of the arts. And she had an event that would be in Franklin Park at summer in the summer from July 4th to Labor Day, which is called Playhouse in the Park. And twice a year, Duke Ellington would come and perform for Miss Lewis in Franklin Park. And being a student of Miss Lewis's school, I was one of the guys that made sure that the Duke had water and towels and whatever they needed to have in their trailers when they showed up on the tour bus. And depending on how much they had drank before they got there or during the time they were there, depended on how much we got paid at the end of the night. It was never under five bucks. It would either be five, ten, and on a real good night, you might get 15 bucks. Mm. Mm. And during that time, I would question him about the music business. And his quote to me was, if this was what I want, chose to do in life, to not to let anyone or anything deter me from it. The music business has a lot of ups and downs and promises in it. So people can string you out all the way across the other side of the world, and when you get there, there's nothing behind door number one to three. Mm. So I took the information that was given to me by him and molded it into what I do today as an entertainer. And he said to me that this particular profession would take me in places in the world that I would used to look in geography books to see. And to be quite honest, everything that he said has come to fruition as far as me and my musical career. I've been to 12 different countries in the last 10 years. I've known you for over 10 years, and I think I can pretty much recite all those different countries that you have uh, been to. But why don't you let the listeners out there, tell the listeners out there a few, few of the countries that you have been to. Oh, I've been to Israel, I've been to Paris, I've been to Germany, Switzerland, Amsterdam, uh, Spain, Jamaica, Bermuda. It goes on. And we're not done yet. We're, we're, we're trying to take this thing back around the world again. I know for a fact that you are far from over. And in the second half of this podcast, we're going to be talking about what you are doing today and your future plans, your future endeavors. You may or may not want to tell us a few little uh, Easter eggs, little spoilers, a little, a little, a little secrets. That's that's all on you. And again, we could never go over your entire career in one 60-minute podcast. It just wouldn't do it any justice. But I want to back up a little bit to Duke Ellington. Wow, that, that wealth of knowledge and information. So when you were at the age of like 12, 13 years old, like, you know, did you get a sense of when he was giving you this information that this is, you know, invaluable information and, you know, the opportunity that you had to, to be assisting Duke Ellington. I mean, this is Duke Ellington, a legend, a legend. 
and you're working on shows with for him and getting advice. Yeah, I mean, those are the moments that I'll forever treasure for the rest of my life because not a lot of the kids in the community had the opportunity to even get that close to him. And to be on a first-name basis with the Duke said a lot, you know. And just as much as I would look forward to seeing him, he would look forward to seeing me too because of the fact that we kept everything in order for him. And that's what he liked. He liked things in order. And how was he as a person? I mean, you know, he, he obviously seemed that he was very nice to you. He was certainly supportive of you and gave you invaluable advice. But how was he when he was with other people from what you observed? Duke Ellington's catchphrase was, I love you madly. <laughs> and that's what he did. He treated everybody quite fairly. He was pretty soft-spoken. I never heard him in the entire time that we were around each other raise his voice. Other people would, but I'd never seen him <laughs> raise his voice. And to today, I actually have one of the last DVDs that he uh, recorded before he passed. And every time I see this video, it takes me back to the time of him with the ducktail head, head style and the dickies. He was very suave and sophisticated. I love the way he used to dress with the tuxes and I've always been a person of fashion, so all of the things that I've seen him do, I would either write down or, or put in the echoes of my mind to remember because of the fact that that's how you were supposed to carry yourself with class and grace when you performed for as many people as he did across the world. And he would, you know, instill into me and tell me these stories about places in the world that he performed and uh, like I said I was very grateful to be able to get this information and retain it to the point where if you called my phone which a lot of people do and you don't get me and my voicemail comes on the music that you hear playing on my voicemail is do nothing to you hear from me which was a Duke Ellington song I have my own music which we write and create that I could have used to have as a background with my voicemail, but I chose him because he was one of the most powerful mentors of my childhood to come into my life. Wow, that's that's fantastic. I can I can vouch that you are certainly a fashion plate, but I had no idea that it was influenced by Duke Ellington. So, you know, you know somebody for over 10 years like I've known you and learn something new every day. <laughs> um, as you got older, you were hanging out with the likes of George Clinton, Rick James. I mean, I've seen pictures of you with these guys and, and you know, you're a part of their family. Tell the, tell the, tell the listeners out there about Rick James and George Clinton. Well, George Clinton, I go back to my teenage years with him. There used to be a club here in Boston back in the day called the Sugar Shack. Any and everybody in the entertainment business 
would come through that place, which used to be on Tremont Street in Boston. They would come in on a Sunday night and perform through the week. Through the week, it would be 2 or $3 to get in to see Cole and the Gang, the Delphonics, the Ambitions, and all of these national and local acts. And on the weekend, it was $5. I met George Clinton one night because I snuck into the place. And uh, wait, 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 time wait, 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 a paid professional at the age of 10. <laughs> you're working for Duke Ellington at the age of 13. You're getting paid and you're sneaking in. What up with that, 24K? <laughs> well, this is this is how it went. When we had to go into the place, I was asked at the door, did I know George Clinton? Okay. And I said, yes. And at the time, the owner of the place, a gentleman by the name of Rudy Garino, was there. He said, oh, you're a friend of George Clinton. I said, yes. I was 15 and had no business down there, but I was in there anyway. And uh, from that day forth, we we formed a a relationship which has spanned over 45 years. He's been to my house. He's met my my wife. He's, He's a part of... We're part of the family. Right. And um, my younger brother and I used to go by the hotel early in the morning and harass them guys until, until they would wake up. You know, we found out where they were staying. And back during that time, to, to know where Entertainer was staying was big stuff. Mm-hmm. You know? So we kind of became neighborhood heroes because we were hanging out with these guys, you know? And then in 1974, I believe it was, they had a a concert series in Franklin Park, which was called Uptown in the Park. And they performed on it. That particular afternoon, I was on my way into it and stepped on where, where someone had broken a piece of a fence off and um, I ended up getting six stitches in my foot. Oh, damn. And we ended up, two of the guys, Michael Hampton and uh, Cordell Monsoon, bless their hearts. Cordell was no longer with us. Came to the house with me. And as we were walking up the street, Michael Hampton had a guitar playing with this instrument, with a uh, amplifier, which was called the Picto, which was like a miniature amplifier. We're walking up the street, and my mother was sitting on the porch and saw us walking up the street, and she asked what happened. And all in the same breath, she said to him, said to Michael, so you're one of those Funkadelics. Why don't you take him with you? <laughs> <laughs> but not in such classy in terms as I just put it to you and um, it, it was it was great it was awesome you know and um, like I said um, George has been to our house um, I've been with him during times of you know losing family members and 
we have a real deep bond. It's so deep that last week on my birthday, I got a personal phone call from him and his wife wishing me a happy birthday, which made me really feel very, very special. I mean, I could have been any random person out of the millions of people he knows and have met around the world, but for him to take time out of his busy schedule, just call and wish me a happy birthday was really, really special. You're born with George Clinton. You said that it's deep. So would it be would it be fair to say that it's not just knee deep? (laughs) Yes, not just knee deep. I go back to a time with George when they were still developing things like the mothership, Chocolate City, Bootsy's rubber band, a lot of that stuff that came out. We used to sit in the in the dressing room and hear them before they were released when they were still working on the stuff just like me coming to the studio and working with you, Nesta, on some things that, you know, were for the future. Right. You know, so you had to be really privy to, to even hear it because I've been there when there were times when people would come into the dressing room and they would be playing these tracks. They would cut them off because they didn't want, you know, outsiders to hear what was going on. Right, right. You know? And my relationship with Rick James, that goes back to 1980, 82, actually. Um, My cousin from Buffalo introduced him to me. Um, And he uh, needed someone to go along with them to do video for the Sunsplash. I had the privilege of going to the first Sunsplash in Montego Bay, Jamaica, with Rick James, and we were there with 26 other groups. We formed a bond through my cousin. We went to his house Thanksgiving. We had Thanksgiving in Buffalo, New York, at Rick James's ranch up there, and the next day fly out to Jamaica. Wow. So we, we left Buffalo, New York in 31-degree weather and came back and went to Jamaica and ended up there in 82-degree weather. Mm. But I was supposed to do video for him, and he was signed with, I believe, uh, he had just signed with uh, Warner Brothers after leaving Motown after so many years, and the record company ended up bringing another video guy along. So I ended up doing the still pictures of the show and he liked the pictures so much that he signed me to a five-year contract to take pictures for him anywhere in the world that he wanted me to come and uh it was a very it was a real great experience to meet him and all the guys and still to the day i'm in contact with you know some of the members of the stone city band which today is Oscar Austin, who was the original bass player of the band. Today is his birthday, and two days ago was Levi Ruffin. So I'm still in contact with people of the uh, Stone City Band, too. All this, my brother, is... 
I had the opportunity to sing with Rick James in the Capitol Center down in Washington, D.C. He liked my vocals, but he didn't think I was ready yet. Then I had another opportunity to sing with him here in Boston at a place called The Channel, which no longer exists. So I've had the opportunity to stretch out a little bit with him and George in different areas of the music thing. As I was about to say, my brother, that this is as cool as the other side of the pillow. You know, you met Rick James in 1980. I personally discovered music myself in 1981. And Rick James, Mr. Super Freak, Mr. Punk Funk, he was he was the person that that I had listened to the most. But coming up into our break, I'm here with Richard McCary of Richie Rich and 24 Carat Funk. You can follow 24 Carat Funk on Twitter at at 24 Carat Funk. You can follow Richie Rich himself on Twitter at at McCrary Richard One. You can also visit Richie Rich on his Facebook page. Facebook, look up Richie, Richard McCrary and Facebook. Richie Rich and 24 Carat Funk. So Richie Rich, 24 Carat Funk. And of course, we had said earlier, the website is 24kfunkproductions.com. So we are going to be going into the break. And what we are going to listen to or watch, depending on what platform that you are watching us on, is a clip of Richie Rich performing one of his original tunes, Bebop. So we're going to be talking about Bebop and other original tunes of Richie Rich and 24 Cat Funk on the other side of the break. So if you are listening and watching us on the Facebook platform, you'll get to see this video and enjoy this video. If you're listening to us on the iTunes platform, you'll hear some original music. This was recorded by myself on my cell phone. So the footage is what it is. I think it's a nice footage. So back on the other side of the break with Richie Rich of Richie Rich and 24 Carat Pump.
ladies and gentlemen. Bebop, Bebop, go get your dance on. Original music from Richie Rich and 24 Karat Funk. My brother 24K, I recorded that north of Boston. I don't need to shout out that person or, or that venue because there's no free advertising here. But <laughs> you know how I feel about Bebop. Bebop is such a smooth tune. And before we talk about Bebop, I just want to let the folks know that all your, well not all, but a little taste of, of your original music. We have fat like that, and I'm talking fat, P-H-A-T. Wanna be your man. Give all my love. Not how you fall. That is music that you let your favorite independent professional wrestler and mine, Trey the Smooth Operating Gangster, Trey T-S-O-G, <laughs> comes out to the wrestling ring on that, I gotta tell you. <laughs> yeah, Love yeah, that one. That was a great song. <laughs> My I was with the producer the other day about that song. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite is "What Is a Booty," <laughs> mm-hmm. but we just listened to Bebop. So, talk about Bebop, though. How Bebop came together? Bebop came together through my bass player in the band by the name of Richard Thumpasaurus. Johnson! <laughs> Johnson! <laughs> we were sitting at the house on my porch, and he said, I have this song that I want you to do, and the name of the song is called Bebop. And the song is, is it's a feel-good song. It's about, you know, a daily situation. You're waking up, you're running late, and you're not in the greatest of moods, and you turn the music on, and you just bebop. Come the weekend, you go and get your dance on. So that's a part of the line, the the hook of the song, bebop, bebop, go get your dance on. No matter what you're going through, you can still find some way to have a good time. And that's what bebop is about, having a good time. So if you're running late, and not feeling great, what should you do? Just bebop, bebop, <laughs> go get your dance on. When, tru- <laughs> when trouble comes, no need to run, what do you need to do? <laughs> Just bebop, bebop, go get your dance on. As I said the first half, 24K, Richie Rich and 24K Funk, I have known my brother... Richard McCreary for over a decade. I like to go out. I like to support live music. Uh, the first band that I've actually knew someone personally was Richie Rich and Twenty Four Karat Funk. And folks know who oh, fo- yeah. and folks know who follow me on Twitter and Facebook and stuff. I like to hashtag Shake Your Pants. I like to hashtag Support Live Music. I personally have met a lot of good people and a few not so nice people in the Boston music scene. Everybody knows everybody in the Boston music scene. Boston is a small town when it comes to music. But I do have to say, and I'm going on the record, and I've told you this plenty of times in private, I'm going on the record, I would have not known anybody in the Boston music scene if I did not know you, 24K. Because you're the one who introduced me to a lot of these guys. And once again... I appreciate that. Thank you very much, Nestor. 
And once again, you know, I like your band. There are a few other bands out there that I like. I'm not going to shout out those bands' names because maybe I could do a podcast of those bands. This is all 24 Karat Funk, brother. There's a few bands I go out there and support. And again, once again, and I'm almost choked up saying this because I am like so sincere when I say this. When it comes to the charisma and being a pure entertainer, in my opinion, you're the best out here in the Boston music scene. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. And it's people like you that keep us out there and keep live music going because there's so much sample, copy, dupe it, loop it to stupid going on out there that it becomes generic. And we're straight with no chaser. We're the real deal. We're, we don't use any samples. We don't use no tracks. We're pure D funk. Old funk, nothing but the funk. <laughs> and I also got to tell you that your band was the first band out there to take a request of mine. And that is Secret Weapon Must Be the Music. <laughs> and it's still incorporated into what we do now. And because you asked us to do, put that in there, there have been a few takeoffs of that song being done by other groups now too but of course you know we would jump off for that to happen because you suggested that and because of that that song stays in our set no matter where we go we've performed that song in switzerland we've performed it in germany all over we've been to paris three times and Every time we go on certain songs, like that particular one, is one that is requested. And I got to tell you all something that, you know, I am not a singer. I'm not a performer. You know, maybe I can catch a couple of tunes that happens to be in my range, but I'm not a singer. I'm not a performer. This is Richie Rich. But when Richie Rich and 24 Karat Funk performs Must Be The Music, more often than not, my brother 24K gives me the mic and lets me sing it. Now, I probably sound so awful. <laughs> but 24K sound good, bro. <laughs> but 24K has never told me that I sounded awful. So my my attitude is as long as I know the words, and I've been knowing those words since 1982. <laughs> <laughs> As long as my palms don't get sweaty and my butt cheeks don't get tight, because I am a hashtag shy guy, and I shy out of the spotlight whenever possible, <laughs> I, I certainly have no problems performing that song. So once again, yeah, that or slide. Oh, slide. I, you know, we were just, I was just going to talk about slide. Now, slide, I can't take credit for. You were always playing slide. You had slide in your playlist. Always playing slide. And um, slide, in my opinion, is a line dance. <laughs> yeah, it definitely is. It, it it has cultivated to become a, a line dance because when you get out there, Nestor, and you know orchestrate the crowd, they can't help but do that. They gotta slide. <laughs> I've seen other bands who have you know they say flattery is 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 a, is a, 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 per, a form of flattery. Since we incorporated that in there, I've actually seen other bands incorporate that into there and actually 
the moves that were created by you and Al Van doing this song. You know, I, I had the opportunity actually to meet the, the original creators of that song. And um, I still to the day love that song because it's, it's such a great song. It's, it's actually original sort of a line dance song before the other stuff they, they've come out with. <laughs> <laughs> I got to tell you, Sly, you know, Slide is Slide is off the hook, and I and I always appreciate it when when you perform, and I, I appreciate it with when, when other bands that I follow perform it too. But you know, let's be clear once again that your band was the one that did it first. Certainly, in terms of Slide, that was already in your playlist. So your band was certainly the band that did Slide first. Let's talk about some of your other original music. Fat like that to me is a um, Rick James influence. Like, I, you know, it's certainly not a Rick James takeoff or Rick James knockoff, but to me, when I hear fat like that, it just, to me, seems like it's a Rick James influence. Is that or or am I just, uh, am I just bugging? <laughs> it, 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 it had a little Rick James influence in it, but also, too, it had some 24-carat funk in it because when we get you on the floor, we want you out there more and more. Moving and grooving. <laughs> you know? got to keep that party hot. <laughs> you know? Keep it hot, hot, hot. Mm -hmm. You know? Because it's fat like that. P-H-A-T. <laughs> <laughs> and... You know? And when you're in the club, singles are mingling, wiggling and jiggling. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of your more popular songs that, you know, Shame on me for skipping over this song. And as I was writing down this list, I'm like, I know I'm missing a song. I'm no missing a song. And the song I was missing is Houston. How could That's I miss? Right, how can I? How can I skip over Houston? I'm surprised you didn't hang up yeah. right now. <laughs> yes, yeah, it, it, you know Houston. Houston is one of those songs that always it it, it evolves to what's happening actually as of right now. You know. Some of the things that we speak about in Houston, you know, are happening in today's society right now, like the space race is on delay, you know, people trying to keep up the pace, and a world full of so much hate. We got the left, the right, we don't know what will happen next, <laughs> you know, sometimes this world makes me vex, <laughs> you know, <laughs> round and round we go, where it stops, nobody knows. Through our struggles and our strife, people of the world just won't unite. So much pain, so much strain, in a world gone insane. You see it every day on CNN, MSNBC, and on and on and on. As I'm sitting here doing this podcast with you right now, I'm watching something talking about the terror in Virginia where a car strikes people in a crowd at a, national, at a, at a rally. So... Houston is a very relevant song to today's society. We just released another one, which we'll get to talking to about shortly, called Love and Compassion. But Houston, that was a takeoff. That was written by a gentleman named Tony Gelatis and myself. Houston is one of those uh, timeless ones. You know, you certainly look over the history of our country. 
and what's going on today, as you just alluded to, Houston is one of those timeless songs. Houston could could Houston could have easily been created in the late sixties or in the uh, mid seventies, late eighties. It could have been created in any of those time periods, certainly in the nineties, and it'd be relevant today. Houston is timeless, in my opinion. Yes, it is. I mean, like I said, we're looking at world events of what's going on right now. It's like it's almost in the same stream as what's going on on Mercy, Mercy Me, Ecology, Marvin, Marvin Gaye. You know, timeless music that is so relevant today. And I personally think if the music doesn't have any relevancy, it shouldn't even be out there. Right. You know? Because there's a lot of a lot of garbage out there. As my late friend Bernie Worrell would say, uh, a lot of trash. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. My favorite Richie Rich and 24 Carat song, and you know where I'm going with this, what is a booty? My only problem with this song, 24K, is that the entire time that I've known you, a decade plus, you've only performed this song once. What's up with that? (laughs) Well, the reason why we don't perform booty like we used to because um, copyright issues with that. Okay. It was a copyright issue. Portions of the song was written by George Clinton in the Parliament. Oh, no. I did not know this. George Clinton. And the music of Booty belongs to 24 Carat Productions. So we could not completely clear the rights to that song. And when we were performing in certain venues back during the time when we were playing it some folks kind of took offense to some of the songs and if you're trying to what venues it's kind of for someone to come in to hear somebody singing a song called what is a booty smacking that ass smoking smacking that ass <laughs> so well, well you know I, time, well, go ahead no no you continue you continue please yeah i i had i had a manager that was suggesting that we couldn't use that song in venues we were playing because we were working in five-star venues and to work in five-star venues, the song was just not appropriate for the places and the venues that we wanted to play in. You know, for instance, the Foxwoods Casino, which we're in our 12th year playing at, I couldn't even do that song at the casino because of the fact they have a clause in the contract stating that you cannot use any sort of uh, sexual, verbal, stuck to a song so it it was only good for a few clubs we used to people used to request it when we played at Lola's down in Martha's Vineyard a lot and uh, as time went on 
we had to phase that one out and uh, create some more stuff. But there are still copies of it around. Oh, yes. Uh, I play booty almost every day. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, uh, too bad about... Um, too bad about you not being able to really play this in the uh, upper high-end venues that you guys go to. You know, uh, personally, I think that there's a little uppity because at some point in some at some point we all had smacked that ass a little bit. But that's just me. That's my little commentary about that, and I'll just move on from there. Uh, uh, you had mentioned that you have new new music on the horizon. Tell us about that. Yeah, well, we have a song that we're we're, we're doing. We actually. For the first time performed it at the Elma Lewis Playhouse in the Park. We had the privilege of opening up this year's um, event playhouse, Elma Lewis's Playhouse in the Park. It took me 40 years to go full circle to open up in Franklin Park this year and do it. And we debuted um, Love and Compassion that afternoon and it got a response. We also have some other stuff that we're doing. We have a song called Love Me, which is done by the young lady of the group who also was a student of the Elma Lewis. We also have another one that we're working on right now. Um, and the name of that one is um, Be There, Be There For You. So look out on the horizon for Be There For You and uh, Love Me. 24K, we had and, uh, 24K, we had a little uh, technical uh, issue. So um, the last thing that we had heard, you had said Love Me, and you said that you had a young lady that also came up through the uh, Emma Lewis um uh, yeah, yeah. We yeah. have a young lady. If you can repeat that part, please. Okay, yep. Who was also a student at the Elma Lewis School of Fine Arts, and her name is Vanessa Wilson Howard. Okay. Okay, I just wanted to get that out there because we had a little glitch and mm -hmm. and nobody heard yeah. that. So and modern technology, <laughs> yeah, you know, <laughs> phones are so smart they can't figure out how not to drop calls. I call them sm <laughs> I call them smart Alec phones myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what they are. <laughs> so twenty four K, where can people see you next? Actually, this Thursday evening, uh, August seventeenth. We'll be performing over in Ingleside Park over in Winthrop, Massachusetts. All right. From 6.30 to 8.30. So if you're in the neighborhood, come on in and say hi <laughs> and bring your mosquito repellent. <laughs> <laughs> it's, an outside, it's an outside venue. We're going to be playing on the gazebo in the neighborhood where I live. And, uh people get a chance to see us who would not venture down to see us at Foxwoods or Twin Rivers or any of the other venues we play, play at, but we'll be right in the neighborhood this coming Thursday evening. I'm going to have to try to see if I can make it on th this Thursday evening on Thursdays. I, I work in the evening time, so I'm going to see if I'm going to have to, uh, if I have the opportunity to, to shift my schedule, but I know that if I'm not able to 
watch you this Thursday that, you know, you know I'll be watching you really, really soon. So, but you know, 24K, this time has flown by as I know or knew that it was going to fly by and stuff. So, um, do you have any parting words that you want to tell the, the listeners out there? Well, we want you to put it in a cup, <laughs> stir it up, because once you stir it up, what you got is Richie Rich, 24 cat pump. I want to give a shout out to the folks that keep me up and keep me out there. I want to give a shout out to Mr. Benny Segocio, who I call the brain, my keyboardist. I also want to give a big shout out to Mr. Russell the muscle pace. He's guitar personified. Mr. Richard Thumpasaurus Johnson, Mr. Joseph Davis Jr., Mr. Robert Davis, and the fantastic and phenomenal Miss Vanessa Wilson Howard and Mr. J.O. Warden. Our saxophonist was in the movie Head too. So I want to give a shout out to 24 Cat Funk and for people to keep up with us, they can go to our website, Facebook, Twitter, or just give me a call and I'll let you know where we are. And if they're if they call at the right time or at the wrong time, they can actually go into your voicemail and hear the message that we talked about in the first half of the show. <laughs> yes, they can. Do nothing till you hear from me. <laughs> Once again, Richard McCreary of Richie Rich and 24 Karat Funk, thank you, thank you, thank you very much for being a guest on this program. Like I said, there was no way that we were going to do justice to your career in 60 Minutes. So if you don't mind, my brother, I want to have you on multiple, multiple times. That's great. That's fine with me, and I'm welcome to take it at any time. <laughs> okay, this so is... So in the meantime, free high, free B, okay, bye. <laughs> <laughs> this is the end of Dudcast number four. Once again, Richie Rich of Richie Rich and 24 Karat Funk. You can follow him on Twitter at at McCrary Richie. I'm going to spell that for you. M at M C C R E A R Y R I C H A R one. So don't put the D, but put the one. Twitter account. <laughs> the Twitter account for the band is at 24 Cat Funk. Once again on Facebook, Richard McCrary. Facebook band page, Richie Rich 24 Carat Funk. His website is 24K Funk Productions. Again, he is a good friend of mine, creator of that like that. Want to be your man. Give all my love. Houston, not how you fall. What is a booty? And bebop, bebop, go get your dance on. Until next time, buenas noches, cooches, cooches. I came in peace. I leave with love. This is for the red, the black, and the green. Living cool, living calm, living clean. I'm out!